This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Anif Baharudin. You're tuned into the show that explores the narratives of historical landmarks and places in the Klang Valley. In this episode, we're going to talk about an old power station located in Hululangat, the Ulu Pangsun Mini Hydro Station. This particular place that we're going to talk about today was recommended by our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa, who suggested that we talk about this quaint little power station that's located all the way in Hululangat, Selangor. It was built in the late 1920s and was decommissioned in the early 2000 and throughout its lifetime, it has played its role to a tea serving the community well. Here's Elizabeth to share the story of this not-so-well-known old power station. When I mentioned it before, I mean, I, I suppose in, in a sense, you know, unless you kind of either live in the area or you go to, you know, Hulu Langat area and you kind of like know it. It's sort of a bit south of Kuala Lumpur, right? So so I suppose it would be maybe more familiar to people who traverse the southern part towards Romban, toward Kajang, toward that part of the state of Selangor. Um, this is in, in a sense a continuation where last month we talked about Kerry Island, which is also in the state of Selangor, in the recently reopened or recent, yeah, reopened borders um, and travel and people traveling around. It's just quite nice to talk about what else is around near enough by without, you know, have to go to places which are very crowded. But the mini, it used to be a mini hydroelectric power station in Ululangat. And it is located in Pangsun. And Pangsun is in the south. Uh, it is in and close to uh, a reserve, a forest preserve, or Gunong Nau, Nuang, I think it's called, near the border of uh, Negri Sembilan. So it's, it's Selangor, Negri Sembilan, but it's within the, the area of uh, Selangor. So what's a mini hydro? I, th- I think you asked the question, of, is it the oldest um, it is certainly a very old uh, station that was set up in the 1920s, around 1926, 1927, if you read the history of it. And it was set up as a private, almost a private enterprise because there was this man and he uh, was running uh, the Sumagasi mines, tin mines. And this was to help with providing electricity to the mines because imagine in the 1920s we didn't have like the national electric grid right you know so it was in order to to drive your your economic activity your tin mining activity uh he wanted to have um he wanted to set up this station this hydroelectric station to generate electricity and that's kind of like a little bit of the history of this place and why it was set up it was privately funded specifically for the mine or for, you know, to, to service the mines. But there was an agreement with the, um, with the electricity provider at that time, you know, the electricity board, um, that any excess electricity that was generated that could be used uh, would then be uh, fed back into the state, the national system. Well, the state system, obviously, at that time. So that that's one sort of interesting part of it. But then you you know you go to what's hydro la, you know, 
why is it a mini hydro you know things like that and and these are the kinds of partly the kinds of questions you ask but this plant itself is no longer operating um, when I visited it in um, certainly uh, I think my last visit to Pangsun was quite it was some time ago uh, but we used to go there uh, quite often just to walk around the area because it is near a forest reserve. There are people who go and, you know, uh, for recreational use yeah, in this and it is accessible by road. It is sort of literally at the end of the road. You go to Hululanga and you keep driving, driving, driving and you will end up at this power station in this place. And there used to be a bus stop there and uh, you could, it was the last or the first, uh, depending on which way you were going, right? Bus stop lah, that you could get on and then you could take a bus to KL. So fairly far away. And, and Ululangat, I think now is known as sort of, you know, quite nature, quite um, following the river, the Sungai Langat. Uh, there are campsites. There are little... Uh, homestays and little townships that are along the way and it is fairly laid back in the sense of it isn't the busy buzzing part of uh, city culture but very close to the city of Kuala Lumpur and I know people who live in Ululangat and who travel and work in KL and they do you know a 45 minute or so commute into the city to work. So the mini power station, how do I say it? So there was this man, his name I think was George Sims. And he, um, the story is that, um, you know, he was riding around on his horse. This is a story, yeah? And he saw, and he went into this area and there, there were rivers, eh? there were streams. And when you talk about hydro, obviously the generation is because of tapping water, right? And water has to be not on flat land, but it has to have, in order to generate the power, it has to come off of a hill, right? I mean, you, you need to have that kind of topography, right? And um, there were several rivers and he saw it as a potential place to establish, to be able to tap into uh, these two river systems um, that could power the electricity plant. So he, after negotiating, because, you know, you can't just set up an electricity plant, right? You have to have some kind of rules. He established this, um, at, built it, and um, there are two structures. They look like tin sheds. I mean, literally tall tin sheds. They're like three-story, four-story tall buildings, which um, have um, metal sheeting and, you know, um, metal aluminium metal sheeting roof um, that's what it looks like and one is near where the bus stop is and one is further up um, you can walk about half a mile or so up uphill and um, you get to the the so one is called the upper station and the one that you see near the bus stop is the lower station and within the plants they had this machinery uh, that used to generate 
the electricity that was used to generate the electricity. So the water would come down, would be tapped in and was, came in through from the source, the river source, and a reservoir. It would come down to, through a pipe, which was quite a large, imagine, imagine a pipe. You could put your arms around. I mean, if you stood, uh, it would be taller than you, um, you know, next to it. And uh, the water was tapped from the river into these reservoirs, into, well, into ponds, you know, in a sense, uh, holding. And then through this pipe, going down to the lower station and then uh, being processed into electricity, which is then distributed. So that's kind of how hydro plants work, right? Don't ask me about the technical part of it, but engineers will know. Um, what is fascinating is this, is this pipeline. And if you go there, I think you will still see the pipeline. I don't think it's, it's not being used anymore. And it's probably pretty dilapidated because even in the early 2000s, um, shortly after it went out of use, you know, they were not necessarily maintained. But if you think about it, you know, this was forest, which meant it was like dense, right? Because we are in the tropics, correct? And, and then you have this, this pipe you know, going uphill. So the labor that it must have taken to build this, to clear the, the area where the pipe was going to be laid and to clear, you know, an area on the two sides of it. So there was a, a, a like a, a clearance like a setback, yeah, so that the forest wouldn't encroach into it because in, in our tropical climate, um, if you don't keep your vegetation out, you know, within a year, the pipeline would be covered. Lah. So you have this, this clearance on either side of the pipeline. And to build this pipeline, which is elevated off the ground, you had to use horses, you had to use human power. It took a lot of physical labor and energy, uh, and I'm talking about human energy and expansion of, you know, horse energy and this kind of uh, energy, um, not electricity energy, because at that time there wasn't, you know, to haul this pipe up to the source where the river was and where the water was um, ponded, and then to bring it down through the pipeline to the lower station you know, as we generate electricity. And then from there, the electricity is then distributed to, in this case, generate power to power electrify for the, um, I've never seen mines, uh, tin mines. So it's linked to KL's early history because, you know, the early history and the wealth of Kuala Lumpur or the wealth of the state of Selangor, you know, had to do with one of the resources, obviously, was, was natural resources, was tin and the, the tin mining. And so you built this plant, you built it as a private enterprise. You must have been making enough money from your tin mining to be able to fund this enterprise. And then eventually uh, it was bought over by the state electricity board, uh, which of course then became the National Electricity Board and fed into the main um, grid, what we now know as the national grid. So that's kind of a little bit of a story of the power station. But it, is, it wasn't only just the, the two tall sheds. Because if you look at them, you, you've seen pictures, right? They're kind of like a little like non you know? And you look at them and you say, what are these two like 
sheds doing, tall, in the middle of nowhere, right? And in, in the vicinity, there are some uh, buildings, like quarters, which are nearby, which would have, you know, been for staff. Uh, people would have to man. These are not all uh, electronic or um, um, automated, uh, but you would have had to man the power station and the equipment. Um, so there are quarters nearby. And then as you go up the hill to the upper station, you will see, again, some other quite dilapidated buildings, um, all of which would have been built in and around the 1920s, 1930s to provide house to house, whether it's office or whether it is you know, administration or whether it's quarters, living quarters, to service this facility. And um, it went out of use um, in, oh, well, it was decommissioned, I think is the word. It was decommissioned as a power plant in the year 2001 for quite specific reasons, because there was a contestation of the water coming from the rivers. Um, I think there were, a couple of rivers. I think one was called the Sungai Gabai and the other was called the Sungai Chongka. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I can't remember, but there were there were definitely two rivers and Sungai Langat. I can't, I sorry, that I that I have to look up. But there are there were a couple of rivers that fed this system, yeah, that fed the hydro plant. And um to service the needs of a city like KL and the needs of the city, of the state of Selangor, of the population of the citizenship, we need water. And a lot of our water supply for potable water comes from river, right? The river systems. And um, well, you know, I Selangor said, uh, we want the water. And TNB said, oh, we also want the water. So there was um, a negotiation. And at the end of the day, it was, I think, decided that the needs, the water, the needs to uh, provide potable water to the population was more important than the need to generate a small amount of electricity for the population. Because there was, at that time, obviously, the national grid, which uh, was supplying electricity to a good part of, of Peninsular Malaysia anyway. That was our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa talking about Ulu Pangsun Mini Hydro Station. We're going to go for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. We're talking about an old power plant called the Ulupangsun Mini Hydro Station located in Hululangat, Selangor. And joining me to share her knowledge on the place is Elizabeth Cardosa, a heritage conservation expert. We have talked about the history of the mini hydro power station and how it came to be. So let's talk more about the state of the building. 
um, what, what I find quite interesting is that you're right in saying that the building looks uh, dilapidated. Obviously, uh, based on the pictures that I saw, it looks very dilapidated. But considering that it was used from the late 1920s to early 2000, you know, when you look at the photos, it doesn't seem to undergo that much of an upgrade. Oh yeah, I I don't I don't yeah I don't think that there was any there was no need to change the buildings themselves are totally and absolutely functional you know they weren't built as pretty things lah they were functional buildings they were there to house the equipment inside um, it had to be tall I'm assuming that part of the reason why it's built with that material is that a uh, it's reasonably hardy to have the metal sheets yeah. And even though they rust, but if you maintain them, um, you know you can keep them, and they're they're relatively cheaper to construct than to have to construct a four-story uh, building in brick. Yeah, and it is just a shell for which you keep internally your equipment, your machinery uh, that you need to run and to. Maintain, and there was some maintenance work. For example, you see these gantries with this big hook that would have been needed to lift, you know, um, the equipment if you needed to repair it or fix it or maintain it or whatever it is. And and huge pieces, very beautiful actually. If you look at just the structure of the the turbines, and you're looking at the metal, you know, it, it, from a I'm I'm only looking at it. Aesthetically, I, I think they're very beautiful in terms of its its shape and its design. Uh, but they obviously were functional, right? Um, they had to scoop water. They had to turn the the machines in order to generate the electricity, correct? And uh, I think that that if we are looking at it from an aesthetic point of view, it's nothing to shout about, lah. Uh, you know, it's very. It is. Plain and simple. You have a concrete floor. You have a metal sheet walls that go up about four stories because you need the height, you know, to move equipment around and things like that. And uh, you have just a you know a simple pitch roof because you want water to be able to fall off your pitch roof and not pond and not you know I mean in, in terms of our tropical climate and not not leak and you know we we don't have flat roofs and um, it's a very simple. Almost looks like a temporary structure, but they've been around for 75 years to the time they were being used. And now if you're talking about 1926, when they were starting to be built, 25, 26, commissioned in 27, 1920, we are what, 2021, right? So we're almost 100 years old, you know? So it is, it is as a structure, they still um, exist. And that's quite impressive in itself. Simple, totally industrial looking. You know, painted blue on the outside. I mean, when I first saw it, it's like you come in and you go like, "What's this? Ah, these blue structures." You know, literally in the middle of where, or what appears to be in the middle of nowhere. And and then you get curious. You know, why is it there? You know, what's inside? Uh, and oh, mini hydro. Oh, what does a mini hydro do? You know, uh, can we understand something more about its role? I think in the case of. Um, The national grid, uh, the national, you know, how we get our electricity, um, and mostly uh, mini hydros or small were 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 set up to service either a small community which was away from you know the main source, 
or um, industrial, you know, commercial, like in this case, activity, uh, which was uh, the tin mining. And in a, in a mini hydro, it would generate something like between 100 to 1,000 kilowatts. So one, the mega, one megawatt. And um, I'll tell you something else, which, you know, is interesting. When you go to the lower station, um, you will see it's in the lower station and the upper station. Uh, you will see uh, that there's a little plaque that acknowledges the fact that um, the station, this, this power generation achieved one kilowatt for the first time in the year 2000. So 1000 kilowatts, so one megawatt, sorry, in the year 2000, which is a substantial amount lah, for a small plant. And then in 2001, they had to decommission it because of that contestation over, you know, where the water should, how the water from the rivers should be used. Um, so it's not a question of right or wrong, but it has to do with, uh, you know, or, or which should be. It was a decision that had that was made based on the needs of the time. Mm. I find that quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think the building is very unassuming, right? And the size, even the size for a mini hydroelectric plant, I didn't expect it to be that small. I was thinking that maybe it would have been a bit bigger, right? If you think about it, but I think it's yeah, the size is pretty much quite. I mean, relatively compared to other things, like pretty just decently sized, I suppose. Like small, right? I mean, it's not something that you would you would you think about these huge dams, right? You think about you know um, the huge dams that that generate electricity when we're talking about hydro plants, right? And um, this is tiny, you know, and and we don't really even see the intake dam, which is upstream, and you can't get into it because obviously, well, you know, um, water. We're supposed to protect our water resources, right? Because we, we get, you know, the number of times this year we've had uh, disruptions to our water supply uh, because of pollution to our river waters. Um, they're supposed to be protected, right? Um, so not, not polluted. So you have an intake, correct, area, and then it goes down this, this pipe. And um, going down this pipe, it goes to the turbine and it is at the turbine where the power generation happens. And then after that is a question of distribution. Okay. And instead we, we're kind of, I think from a domestic point of view, we kind of understand solar a little bit more. Um, hydro is kind of like not quite something that we deal with. I mean, I suppose romantically we see hydro as, oh, windmills, you know, things like that, that generate, you know, um, not hydro as much, but, you know, uh, turning the water wheel in an old mill, that kind of thing, uh, which we don't get here, right? But this is kind of like uh, images that we might have in our heads. Um, but nowadays we have uh, large wind turbines, you know, that generate uh, electricity, but everything. Yeah, I was just about to, I guess, ask you that, um, you know, what happened to the place currently? Like, I think uh, it's been 20 years. Um, yeah, it has, hasn't it? Gosh, 20 years. So, uh, yeah, what, what's currently happening to the, the station? Right well, now? <laughs> I haven't uh, seen it in some time, I must admit. Um, in the, about 10 years ago, um, TNB asked uh, us when I was with Baden Morris on Malaysia to, uh, 
come up with a you know a proposal of some kind and we were because they were thinking of turning uh, well removing the power station but turning because the land was theirs right that that area between the upper and the lower station um into some kind of uh, a campsite you know for for groups uh, for activities and for you know not just nature activities but to be able to provide let's say you know training or people could hire it right uh for extreme sports or whatever and uh we we saw the opportunity there to restore simply very simple restoration of the buildings that the structures that the, the physical the housing structures that were already there some of which even in the early 2000s were still being inhabited yeah because the staff who were no longer but they lived there so they continued to live there not many but there were still people living yeah so it was still occupied so to continue the idea of of it being not necessarily residential but used um, for housing and then to convert the um up at the power station maybe to to consolidate both but maybe to keep them as separate to have an educational facility that was a museum educational facility to help school groups to encourage people to understand science in a very physical way you know to be able to see how it operates to be able to to learn about electricity and power generation that way and to learn about the role of the production of electricity in powering a nation in powering development um and we saw that as a nice little opportunity you don't have to do very much it's already there you know you just have to make sure that you have better interpretation etc and to neaten it and to you know um keep things in good repair and uh, that was under i think chikalip when he was uh, the ceo of um, tnb at that time and they bought into the idea and they thought that was a you know that was a nice idea to sustain the place and to and to give something back to the local community so because the proposal that we offered was that you know use the people who are living here to be they are your site custodians use them as your interpreters use them you know to look after if you want to create your uh your campsite your resort they are they can be your managers they can be you know the people who who look after the place they are your stewards and your custodians because they live there and they have a relationship and emotional attachment and a physical attachment to the place you know a historical attachment to the place so use that and and use it not in not exploit it but you know um leverage on that because they would want to keep it right um all also um you know the the area going up uh, you would have orang asli there would be orang asli groups that would go into the forest to using that that pathway to collect uh, forest products that the probably is much less of that now because obviously with the protection of the water and the river systems and all of that not supposed to encroach into those areas i don't know but i imagine that you know there are a few more restrictions and and you have to go further this is true that if you're orang asli you know you have to go further into the forest to retrieve um the kind of forest products that you would traditionally have have used 
and or, or needed to harvest in the forest, yeah? But to be able to then look quite holistically at the different communities that use the space and to enable those communities to enjoy the continuity of that space uh, through a, a, a more contemporary use, which could be sustainable because you didn't have to demolish and rebuild, right? You just had to fix, you just had to repair and then continue to maintain. Um, so they bought into the idea. I, I, I remember that, you know, at, 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 uh, in the early, um, the first couple of uh, years after that, they did do something. But I think that by, you know, the mid 2000s, um, a bit 2010s in that decade, uh, it kind of fell out of use. I'm not quite sure why uh, CEOs change, maybe policies change, maybe. But that's kind of what, what happened. And uh, right now, it seems that the buildings, the structures are still there. But I don't think that they're looked after. Images that I saw from, you know, the COVID times uh, shows that the structures are still there, uh, including the pipeline. But um, I don't know that it, they are necessarily, they, well, they're definitely not functional. And the site appears to just be languishing, which is really very sad because it's a missed opportunity. I think there's so much opportunity there for citizen science, for you know, community groups to learn about our environment, for students to go and explore um, in a very structured way, you know, the technological and the technical excellence of the past and how it is now relevant or how in the future, or in the present, and in the future, things will change. But, you know, if we don't, we won't appreciate what we have now, we didn't know what was there before, and how, in a sense, what challenges uh, George Sims and his uh, Swimmers Minds had to overcome in order to get electricity. Like now we just turn on the switch and we just assume it's there, right? So when our power gets cut, what do we do? You know? Call the TNU hotline, you know, and play. You know, I think mean, we don't really, we're quite disconnected yeah, from the system. And I think that, that to me is, is the missed opportunity. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and this week our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa joined us to share her thoughts on Ulu Pangsun Mini Hydro Station located in Hululangat, Selangor. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and and places of our capital city. Stay safe and join us again next week only on PFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.